the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDeal. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 145. I'm your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Ed. And this is Stella. And we are bringing you the latest comic news and comic book reviews from September 14th through September 27th, the past two weeks. Uh, we have two books to cover, and then we are covering all of the Batman Universe Futures End books. So we'll get into those after the two issues of Batman Eternal that released this this uh, past two weeks. We do have some news to cover, so let's get right into the news. I want information, and I'll get it any way I please. The very first thing we have is on September 15th, the solicitations for... Well, let's first start off with the graphic novel and, graphic novel and trade advanced solicitations. Uh, these are going to be releasing in the months of January and February. Uh, several of the editions releasing including, uh, include ongoing titles, like the uh, Birds of Prey title that is now cancelled. Uh, they also have a trade collection of Batman Black and White Volume 4, as well as a co- uh, collection of uh, JLA from 1996 to 2006, that series, and a hardcard deluxe edition of Darwin's Cook, the New Frontier miniseries. Um, beware the Batman Volume 1, I guess, which is odd that they're calling it Volume 1 because it's pretty much the only volume that we'll ever release is also coming out. So um, we have the full list of the solicitations over on the website uh, for you to check out for the graphic novel and trade advanced solicitations. Moving on to the actual solicits for December 2014. A bunch of different stuff. Uh, December will be both the end of DC celebration of the 75th anniversary of Batman as well as a five-week month. So, unsurprisingly, the month of December is jam-packed with TBU content, including annuals for Batman, Grayson, Red Hood, and the Outlaws, and Catwoman, and a holiday special edition of Harley Quinn and the one-shot Robin Rises Alpha, which will conclude the Robin Rises arc in Batman Robin and introduce the new Robin. In the pages of Batman number 37 and annual number 3, we'll see the continuation of Endgame with with no hints or information from the solicitation, but it's they say it's going to be big. The continued shroud of mystery around the storyline, along with the speculation that Capullo and Snyder leaving the title does not does suggest that the creative team may be looking to really turn out a game-changing story. Uh, Batman Robin number 37 and the Robin Rises Alpha will finish out the Robin Rises arc, um, so we can it should be we for sure will see a, the new Robin in the pages of Batman Robin and Robin Rises in December. Um, in Detective Comics, Batman's fighting with anarchy. Batgirl may be replaced by an imposter. Batwoman deals with Clayface and Nocturna. Catwoman and her new crime empire fight Black Mask. Red Hood and Harley Quinn both battle the holidays. Who knows what that means. Uh, the New 52 origin of Grayson, or Dick Grayson, or I guess Agent Grayson, is in Secret Origins number 8. And then there is an annual for Secret Origins that will also be releasing in December. All three weekly titles will ship five issues in the month of December, with Batman Eternal seeing the beginning of its third act 
the apparent destruction of the Batmobile and the Dark Knight defeated and in help of of in help from Selina Kyle while the inmates of Arkham Asylum roam free and the Riddler discovers the secret behind Batman Eternal. Uh, we will also see a issue number five of Legends of the Dark Knight, 100 page super spectacular, as well as DC Essentials Batman Hush Special Edition number one, which is another promotionally priced special issue featuring some of Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee's storyline from Batman Hush. Um, so you can check out the full list of the solicitations on the website. There is a ton of stuff coming out. Just kind of hinted at some of the bigger things, but with five issues of Batman Eternal, the New 52 Future's End, and Earth 2 World's End, there is a lot of issues coming out in December. So, you know, if you're hoping on saving some money in December for gifts for people, well, you better start saving up now. All right, so then outside of that, uh, two DC All Access videos posted up. Uh, you can check those out on the website. One of them is talking about Future Zen and recapping some of the major news uh, for, about Future Zen. One of the things that I thought was really interesting from this specific video is that there was an interview with both Jim Lee and Dan DiDio, the co-publishers of DC Comics, and they specifically said that uh, when they were planning in the planning stages of what was going to happen this September for their event that they've had since the beginning of the New 52, they specifically said that they listened to fan feedback from last year's September and when it was Villains Month and said that a lot of fans were not really pleased with how disconnected the Villains issues were from a lot of the ongoing series and they really wanted to change that and make these things, make the issues this September for Future's End really tie more into the current stories without disrupting anything specifically. So it's, to me, when I, when I heard that and heard their comments about that, I was kind of happy about it because, I mean, we complained about a lot of the Villains Month issues. They weren't very good. And, you know, it's nice to know that they actually are, you know, it's hard, it's, it's, it's hard to believe that Dan DiDio is listening to the fans, but it's, it's interesting to know that, you know, the co-publishers are actually paying attention to fan feedback and, and really trying to change their perspective when it comes to producing these event months every September. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's just, like I said, it's really nice to know that they're not just mailing it in. All right. And then the other DC All Access we have is there's an interview with Greg Pak about Batman Superman, Future Zen specifically. Um, he also hints at some of the stuff that's coming up in Batman Superman as well. So you can take a look at both of those videos on the website. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is there was an article posted on September 26th uh, by Terry Houston, who writes a lot of our comic news. He wrote an article that's uh, about Tim Seeley speculating, or well, it's speculating about the potential future of Batman Eternal. Um, over on Bleeding Cool, there was a article that posted up with basically Seeley talking about a lot of his upcoming projects, non-Batman related. And at some point, somebody asked him the question about, you know, is he going to be working on Batman Eternal for the foreseeable future? He had a very interesting response to their question. He said, uh, they'd asked if I'd be interested in more Batman Eternal, but I don't know if that means it continues after the initial 52 issue run. They only asked. They haven't told me yet. I maybe end up being one of the last to know. Now, what I find interesting about this, when I first saw the article on Bleeding Cool, what I find interesting about this is there's a bunch of speculation going across the internet right now as far as whether or not Batman Eternal will actually become an ongoing and isn't necessarily just a weekly that's meant for 52 issues. Now, there's a bunch of information that uh, Terry posted into this article 
talking about a bunch of the different, basically the the information to back up this speculation. Um, just want to run through some of these because it is kind of interesting when you think about it. Um, first off, uh, Dan DiDio posted on his Facebook account back April of 2014, and he said, Batman Eternal started this April and runs to next March, after which it takes a brief hiatus. Future's End starts this May and ends the last week of March 2015, and World's End starts in October and ends the same week as the others next March. Hope that clears everything up. Now, the original post that he posted on his account, he did delete, but then Newsarama happened to catch up with him about two weeks later and asked him, this specific question. You kind of dropped a bomb last week on your Facebook page when you said all this stuff is ending in March 2015. Is there a significance to the fact that all three weeklies are either ending or going on hiatus in March? And he specifically responded, you know what, what, it's funny. That was my mistake. I didn't think I dropped a bomb. I thought I already said it somewhere else and it was already in print, so that was my mistake. And I've brought it it's been I've brought to realize that it was never mentioned any place before because that's not where it should have been saying I I should have been saying something like that. I thought I was reiterating old information, but yes, that is true. That's what we're doing. One of the things I was to say is that especially when it comes to weekly series, it's important for the fans to understand the length of their investment and time they'll be investing in the, those weekly books. And that's one of the reasons uh, why I like to mention when they're going to end because they don't end cleanly. They're not all 52-part series, like all the weeklies done before. They all are ending at different numbers, at different lengths on, on a particular day, though. Then Newsarama followed up, but my question is, is there significance to the fact that they're all ending at the same time? Dan DiDio responded, everything we do is significant. Now, the other interesting thing is there was an interview that was posted on Comicosity way back in February, uh, talking with Scott Snyder about his run with Batman Eternal, and this was specifically tying into, this was the, right around the same time Batman number 28 released, which was basically like the preview slash, uh, I don't know what other way to put it, it's basically like a preview of what was to come in Batman Eternal, yet it was taking place way in advance within Batman Eternal, and he specifically said this, and there's so many things that will happen in Eternal. There are so many issues in that thing. 60 issues. Essentially double what I've written on Batman already in its entirety. So the question is, Snyder says there's 60 issues. Whether or not he was exaggerating and he just didn't spit out the exact number of 52. The fact that basically March of 2015 would be right around the time when it would be very close to, I believe, 50 issues is the end of March 2015 um, where Batman Eternal would be standing, where if it's going on hiatus, I can't imagine it going on hiatus and coming back for only two more issues. Um, the other part of it is the fact that if they've they've asked if they're going to, you know, writers like Tim Seeley, if they're going to come back and do it, will this become, a, you know, an ongoing? Now, it's also important to note that the Batman Eternal, despite the fact that it has four issues on average per month, it still continues to be within the top 30 books for the month every single month. So, in your opinion, would you want to see Batman Eternal continue on past its initial promised 52 issues? You know, I think it kind of depends what form it was going to take on. If, if it was just going to become like a weekly series for Batman that had a rotating cast of uh, creative teams, I guess that would be okay. I just don't want to see us going from one year-long story to another year-long story. I mean, if, if you just had different teams coming in doing 
three, four, five issue arc, six issue arc, seven issue arcs. I'd be fine with that, but I don't want another 52 issue story. Yeah, and it sometimes gets overwhelming for me keeping track of all of the characters. And I almost feel like if it's popular, why not seek out which forms or which storylines were most popular and actually have spinoff tales on that rather than having eternal continue. So if, you know, people felt like spoiler had played a good part and maybe it's her time to shine in the new 52 and have a spoiler or if you want Spectre or something like that, but maybe not. I think Eternal has served its purpose and is serving its purpose, but to go on longer than it was originally destined to go on, I think maybe trying your luck. So, yeah, I'm a little concerned about that. Here, here's my problem. Um, when Eternal first started, they canceled series to make way for the fact that they were going to be bringing this series in. Um, they canceled Batman the Dark Knight. Um, I'm at a loss, but I want to say they canceled something else. They canceled something else. It wasn't a Batman book, but they canceled a couple books. They did cancel a couple books, but I remember that. I remember Dark Knight being the book that was specifically canceled, and they said it was being canceled not because it was bad or anything. It was because it was supposed to make way for the fact that Batman Eternal was coming up. Then, when then it was announced that Batwing was getting canceled, Birds of Prey was getting canceled, which we mm-hmm. you know we still consider Batman books. But then, if you think about it, the in November we have um, Gotham by Midnight. We have Gotham Academy coming out in October. We have um, the Arkham one, Arkham Manor. We have all, the, all those three books that are basically taking the place of all the bat books that had originally been canceled. So when you look at how many books are actually coming out per month, they've actually increased the number of books without increasing necessarily the number of series because Batman Eternal is just putting out four books. Per, per month compared to, you know, only one issue. So in uh, from a business standpoint, it makes complete sense for them to continue it if it continues to be successful. Honestly, I don't really see the need for it because knowing that, for one, a lot of the books starting in October are going to be taking place after the events of at least the initial story of Batman Eternal – Knowing that, you know, we're going to be seeing Catwoman stories taking place after Eternal, Batgirl stories taking place after Eternal, Batman in Batman Endgame, we're going to be seeing Arkham Manor and Gotham Academy, which maybe is just, you know, has nothing to do with Eternal, but Arkham Manor and Gotham by Midnight are directly running out of, you know, Batman Eternal. I have a hard time understanding why we would need to continue especially since we've also heard rumors that there could be plans for certain characters in the pages of Eternal that could be getting their own books. You know, we've mentioned before, you know, maybe Harper Rowe with uh, Stephanie and possibly other characters that are you know, have yet to appear and things like that. But, you know, th- we can see relationships forming. We'll get to it in this book with Harper and Tim Drake, their former relationship. Tim Drake is really coming back into the fold more so even with these two issues than in the past couple, in, well, the past 25 issues or the past 23 issues of Batman Eternal. We're seeing these characters come back into the fold and we've been told that some of these characters could be seeing their own series or, you know, maybe some sort of anthology. Now, what I want to see Batman Eternal continue on as a weekly, but tell, you know, three, four issue story arcs all written by the same writer 
done by the same artists and then switch off the next month with a completely different story and you take those four issues to focus on certain characters within the Batman universe that would never warrant having their own series that's not a bad idea but I I feel like it's almost like a cop out like we just want to keep the name Batman Eternal but it's not really going to be focused on Batman because he's already in a gazillion other books yeah I I just I think that you kind of hit it on your on the head when you talked about the sales numbers of the Eternal books like, I mean, let's face it, they're selling a lot. They're selling even more than the Futures End weekly. So they're probably going to keep it around, but I don't I don't think it makes for a lot of sense. Plus, it takes away, like, wasn't the whole idea of Eternal supposed to be, like, this special one-year story arc to, you know, to celebrate the 75th anniversary? Like, wasn't that the whole point of the story? So Well, that's how it was marketed, but we've seen things in the past that have been marketed one way and then turn out to be something different. The fact that they're ending their 75th anniversary celebration in december doesn't make a lot of sense since uh, no <laughs> eternal runs till at least the end of march so don't understand that but you know i understand it from a business perspective when you think about it i guess if they if they count the beginning of the celebration of the the detective comics 27 that came out in january of this year i guess it makes sense that you know they would end it in december but eternal not starting until april didn't make a lot of sense if it was meant to be this massive story that was supposed to celebrate the 75th anniversary of batman which is fine because it's still doing a great job of bringing a ton of characters that would never get focused on in other series in and that's fine and you know if the idea was to initially celebrate and then just tell a story by all means they're doing a great job no complaints there, but it just feels like, again, we're going to get into this point where we got too many books. You know, they canceled Batwing and we, they canceled Birds of Prey and Batman the Dark Knight. And, oh, Talon. Talon was the other issue Talon, or the yeah. other series that they canceled back last March. And, you know, the thing is they've canceled these series and the thing is I'm fine with books, but when you have if – if they're sticking with – we're going to have at least 52 different series every single every single month and the majority of them are batman books or you know one fourth of them are batman books that that becomes a lot of books and as a batman fan who buys all these books and this is even including not even including like the digital books that end up getting print copies too like batman beyond or batman 66 or legends of the dark knight or Batman, the Jiro Kawada Batmanga, you know, there's a gazillion other books that are releasing that are Batman too. It's very hard to maintain keeping, you know, a collection without picking, starting to pick and choose. And it just seems like they're just, they continue to bombard us every time it seems like they're going to ease up and they're going to say, okay, we're going to focus on these specific ones. It seems like, wait, here's a gazillion more to add to your plate if you want to keep up with everything going on in the Batman universe. So, as of right now, I will say this. We still haven't decided exactly which books we will be covering as of October because there's because some of these books we would assume would focus more on Batman, but we haven't decided yet. Um, but that being said, there's all kinds of stuff happening. So I will say if you're interested in reviewing any of these books, Corbin does a great job of knocking out a lot of the main books that we cover here on the cast, as well as some of the other books that we can't cover, but there's plenty of other books that especially are going to be coming out as of, as of, you know, as you're listening to this, they're going to be coming out in October that will need to be reviewed, including some of the new books, Gotham Academy, uh, specifically the new creative team on Batgirl and Catwoman, 
and Arkham Manor, but then also in November we have Gotham by Midnight. So there's a lot of books that are coming out, and if you are interested in reviewing books, I implore you to click on the We Want You for TBU link on the website so that you can join us and knock out some of these books. We can make sure that we have all of the books covered over on the website at the very least. So with that, that is all of our news. Um, actually, that's not all of our news. I do want to just throw out this last thing I just remembered. Um, I, I noticed during the week there was, there. well, there's two things. These have to do with Twitter, so I guess it's Twitter news. We could call it Twitter news. Uh, the first thing was, I think it was Thursday, September 25th. I noticed this tweet by Scott Snyder that talked about what he was planning on, what they're planning on doing after Batman Endgame, which is going to end in March. Um, and he stated on Twitter that after Endgame, they are specifically moving to short three arc story arcs. Hmm. They're not going to be doing long story arcs anymore. Him and Capullo are going to be doing short story arcs, which I found interesting based off of the information we talked about the last episode about the speculation of the two of them leaving Batman after issue 50. Um, because, you know, we talked about if, if he continues to do long story arcs, there's not a whole lot of time between story arcs where he, you know, where he could actually keep going past 50 without doing more issues because of the long story arcs. So him moving to smaller three-issue story arcs, he specifically said they're going to be more detective-oriented stories focusing on the Bat family in present time. So it'll be interesting to see what they actually do because we haven't seen a lot of shorter story arcs from Snyder when it comes to Batman. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. The other Twitter news, I, I guess you consider this late breaking because I saw it just an hour or so ago from Jeff Johns. He mentioned on Twitter that Batman Earth 1 Volume 2 is set to release in May. So those, you know, I, I don't think it was, it, well, I know for a fact it hadn't been announced. People were suspecting it was supposed to be coming out early 2015. May's not really early in my opinion, but... I guess it's earlier than June, but whatever. That um, may be the most singularly accurate statement ever said on a TVO podcast. Pretty much. May so, is earlier than June. Yeah. So with that, uh, those are your late-breaking news stories, I guess, if you like to call them that. So with that, we're going to get into our comic reviews, and the very first book we have is Batman Eternal number 24. Batman Eternal number 24, written by Ray Fox, art by Andy Clark. Uh, the issue starts off with Cluemaster explaining his plan to Hush, talking about what he what exactly he has planned. The entire time, Stephanie is in the rafters of this garage, listening to the entire plan. Uh, we see a flashback of Stephanie freaking out her dad as she does some daredevil trick with her bike. Her dad in my opinion, kind of scares her and she ends up causing an accident and hurts her arm yet again. Uh, we then see the entire the entire plan of what I would guess I was asking for last episode, what Cluemaster has been up to. So it turns out Cluemaster has his little team working on a number of different things. Signalman has been working on gridlocking the streets and doing a, a, a bunch of different things 
we have we have uh, road construction, the water system in very fragile condition. Rat catcher has been using his rats to basically make the water bad and in other <laughs> and, and other like have diseases in it and in other contaminated. Cases, yeah, contaminated is probably a much better way to put that. Contaminate the uh, water and also damage the water pipes in the sewer. Uh, we also have Prankster, who's been messing with the satellites and cable systems in the city to specifically make people more upset. So basically, their entire plan that they're in charge of is bringing everybody in Gotham to be really angry and pissed off. Um, driving them to possibly riots in the streets. We're also, we also have uh, some sort of security system that Hush told them about that is going to allow all the security systems to be able to be broken into so that people can actually riot and loot and steal without any major problems. Uh, we then see Hush says, listen, um, I'm, I'm glad that uh, this is all happening, but you still got a problem. The main problem is your, sis, your, your daughter. She's posting our plans online. If you don't take care of her by the end of the day, you're going to end up in a body bag if she doesn't. So then he leaves. Across Gotham, Batman is responding to some sort of problem at an art gallery. Some sort of being has been unleashed, and Batman is only able to take him out by using nth metal. Um, we then see Batman trying to get a hold of Batwing at Arkham, because one of the people at the art gallery is somebody who works at Arkham. Um, and it turns out Batman cannot get a hold of Batwing anymore. Uh, we then see Stephanie get down from the rafters and be attacked by her father. Uh, she fights back. She escapes on a motorcycle. A fight, or I guess a chase ensues throughout the streets of Gotham. The chase keeps going, and it's outside of Gotham now. Uh, just as he throws a grenade onto the motorcycle she's on, she jumps the bike, makes it onto an overpass, and just as that happens... The state police show up and tell Cluemaster he's under arrest. She's very happy about this. Um, Cluemaster insists that he he works with he he owns his people own the GCPD. The state police say you're not in Gotham. You're outside of Gotham city limits. So you're in our custody now. Um, he 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 exclaims to Stephanie that he'll get her for this, and uh, he says. And she says that uh, she's just getting started. All right, so that's that issue. In my opinion, it was a pretty quick issue. Um, just a couple of minor things. One, we get it gets. First thing is that Batman finally realizes that Batwing is Batwing and Jim Corrigan are having problems at Arkham Asylum, so we can expect that to pop up sometime in the near future. Um, them having problems and Batman realizing it seems like it's been a, a long time since we've seen anything happening at Arkham Asylum. But I believe issue 26 deals with, if I remember correctly, 26 deals with whatever's been happening in Arkham Asylum. Um, but that being said, that's that. I don't even, there's not really a question there. I really want to talk about Stephanie and Cluemaster. We see that, you know, one, Cluemaster's hellbent on the idea that his daughter is less important than the mission at hand. Do you believe it's because specifically it's his life or her life? Or do you believe she, he just doesn't care? And realistically, he's been trying to take her out since she first found out the plans. But do you feel like he really legitimately doesn't care? Because it, even when we see her, see him pre-New 52 in the pages of Batgirl, he still seems to care about his daughter. And here it just feels like he's completely indifferent she's just a hassle she doesn't want to have to deal with it 
and he'd rather her just not be around. So what's your feelings on which what his feelings of her are? Yeah, I certainly think that the – is it okay if I take it first? Yeah. I think it, the, the family dynamic is wildly different from pre-New 52. I mean, even the fact that the mother was <laughs> the one that sort of ratted her out and and uh, is working with Kumaster to a certain extent, I think, points to that. I also think that he just completely underestimates her and doesn't think she's capable at all. Um, because even in that little flashback, I think that tells us so much, just the fact that, oh my gosh, you're going to break your arm again you you know you have no ability to land a bike after this short little ramp that you're about to go after and i think that all the things that she put him through in this issue is starting to shock him because she was able to make that jump on the bridge she outsmarted him and i think he just he's been putting off because he thought it'd be when the time came it'd be so easier to take so easy to take her out and so i think it's very shocking for him that she actually outwild him to a certain extent yeah and I, I think that you know as to your, your question about, like does he even like his daughter on some basic level um there is that one little flashback scene where he well i don't flashbacks are the wrong word that scene where he talks about the fact that she could have been his sidekick in a way you know mm, yeah that's true you know when he when he kind of does that whole well you know i you had i always thought you had potential and you could have been you know my sidekick type deal um, I think that he probably, you know, just due to that scene, it makes me feel that at one point he must have had semi-fond feelings for his daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think like Dustin, you kind of pointed out in the question, which was now that it's him versus her, you know, one of them, you know, has to live. He's not willing to sacrifice his life to protect his daughter. But I think in, in if circumstances were different, I don't think he would go all the way to kill her. Uh, I just think he's so selfish that he puts himself above everybody else. And I agree. I think that's pretty much what it is. Um, like like you said, Stella, the family dynamic is completely different than pre-New 52, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, he has a job, and regardless of, you know, if it's just because he's getting paid or if he's looking to make a name for himself, it is about him being selfish. And it it needs to be him, and, you know, he's in charge of this you know, motley crew of guys and, you know, he's running it and, you know, in, in his mind, he's, he's somebody. So he doesn't want this to fail. And that's probably why he wants to take her out. All right. So the other thing I want to talk about is the, the overall plan of the, of the, uh, the group. It was finally explained. And I actually find it quite amusing because it was literally explained. And I just complained about this in the last episode and I find it interesting because it seems like every time I complain about something, it ends up being revealed in the next issue that we, uh, you know, the next episode that we we talk about. But, you know, I complained about the fact that it's been a ridiculous amount of time since the beginning of Batman Eternal that Cluemaster was, you know, first there revealing his plans and Stephanie was in the room. She finds out it. But even though we saw that she was posting these plans online, we didn't actually see any of the plans. And here we are, and we actually hear the entire plan. Basically, he's in charge of raising the anger level and getting everybody agitated within the confines of Gotham City. You know, Signal Man having, dealing with, uh, basically gridlocking the roads and Prankster being involved with messing with the cable and satellites and Lockup being in charge of the security systems and Ratcatcher being in the sewers, messing with the water and the water pipes. When you think about it, they're all very minor things, 
But when you put them all together, it actually is something pretty big because all of these things, just think, you're driving home from work, you're stuck in traffic for a lot longer than you wanted to. Your water goes out and you can't take a shower at your place because they have to fix the water pipes. Can't watch TV because your cable's out. You know, these simple little things, but they just slowly add up and you would get so agitated as these things continue to happen and and continue Mm -hmm. to get worse. So I think the plan, now that it's been revealed, is actually quite interesting because it actually is, it's like the most simple plan when you think about it. And that's why you have these like D-list villains that are working on these, on these, you know, small little missions to, to basically towards this greater mission of agitating Gotham City citizens. I thought it was it, I thought it was quite interesting the way it was it was revealed, planned out, you know, their individual tasks, thoughts on the plan. I kind of liked it. Um and I think it's a part of Hush's plan too, right? Like the these, oh, these, yeah, of you course. Know, yeah, I mean, I, and I think that it makes sense though because like you said that you are definitely working towards a cumulative effect. Um and I think that when we get, and it makes sense because I, I like that we're starting to see a little bit of what's going on. Um, and yeah, like I said, these are these would be annoying things, but since the, the kind of the idea here, from what I understand, is to destroy Gotham as a whole in that fiery, burning scene that we saw in the first issue of Eternal, I think that you've got to start by turning the basic population of Gotham against each other, at the very least, snarly. So yeah, this makes sense, and it makes sense why these kind of loser villains are involved because like signal man, like honestly, who cares? But it makes sense that, I mean, really, I mean, but it, it makes sense that you'd have like the villain funky, like taking care of traffic. Cause any moron could do it. So, I mean, it actually does make it all make a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and there's so little and, and you think about it as, as being minor, but when everything is combined and it's over and over again, it's going to be, be annoying for a lot of people and I think their goal is just chaos and with everything else that's going on in the city I mean it's one more thing to have to deal with and and it almost feels like gosh are we trying to get back to zero year and just like the terrible situation that was going on in the city back then yeah it almost feels like either zero year or when I what I was getting the feeling of because all of these villains in some ways are working together it almost felt like kind of uh, Nightfall, where Bane releases all the villains, Batman's basically gets completely worn out trying to wrangle all these villains and get them back in Arkham, and then it, Bane confronts Batman, and it almost feels like because they're using so many different villains and they're all over the place, there's not really a way that you can actually take them all out. I mean, mm-hmm. do you really think that Batman's, it's on Batman's radar that Signalman's messing with the traffic signals or Rat catchers messing with the water pipes or pranksters messing with the cable and satellite companies. You know, I don't think it is because it's such a minor thing. It's just there's so many other things going on. It just feels like Hush is just trying to break down Batman. And it really feels like he's trying to basically get Batman to a point where Batman is going to be so worn out. Now, we'll see in the next issue, you know, the Bat family coming to the aid of Batman but I don't know that it's going to matter. I don't know because it just seems like everything keeps building and building and building. And eventually, you know, it's going to be more than Batman can handle, maybe even more than the Bat family can handle. So, mm-hmm. All right. So Eternal number 24, I'm going to give a total of four out of five batterings. Uh, three and a half out of five. I'm going to also give it 
four out of five. All right, so over on the website, Corbin gave it four out of five. That's going to give Batman Eternal number 24 a total of four out of five batterings. Let's move into our next book, Batman Eternal number 25. Batman Eternal number 25, written by James Tinian IV, art by R.M. Guerrera. Uh, the issue starts off uh, with basically Jason Bard going to Vicky Vale and saying, listen, you need to run this story because we need martial law in this city. She's not really happy about this because she's feeling like he's trying to manipulate an elected official with the news story, but he doesn't let up and says, we need to do this. If we don't do this, people are going to die. Post the story. It's the only way we can save Gotham City. So then we see the news story is multiple terror attacks imminent across Gotham. City government refuses to act. Um, in the Narrows, 24 hours later, we see someone attacking a girl when all of a sudden Harper Road pulls out her taser, tases the guy, saves the girl. Red Robin's been watching the entire time, and uh, we can see that she's slowly trying to, she's slowly learning different things that Red Robin's been teaching her, including some martial art moves, and uh, Batman's, or Red Robin says, you don't really need the, the taser because I've been teaching these things. She says, listen, I, I like my toys, and that's what's going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. He then, in turn, uses one of his own toys, uh, the bandage wrap thing that shoots out of his, his harness on his chest, to wrap her up and says, listen, uh, we'll have, we have plenty of time to figure out what's going to happen or what you're going to become. Uh, he then gets a call from Jason saying something's happened at Wayne Manor. We see Julia Pennyworth kind of focusing on everything but the mission at hand, talking about why in the world does there need to be a dinosaur in the Batcave. Uh, Batman says, listen, you need to get your head straight. We need to concentrate. Now that we know it's hush, we need to know what's going on in the city. I can't see. You need to patch it through the Batmobile. She says, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. I basically would, but I can't because you have a gazillion Batmobiles and they all have different unique codes to send them to. And my dad didn't leave specific instructions on how to do all of this. Um, he then sees, finally, she patches through some footage of Jason Bard releasing Architect from Arkham Asylum, or I should say Blackgate Penitentiary, um, and he's pretty ticked, and he says he's going to go pay him a visit. Uh, Gotham Mercy Hospital, we see Red Robin enter through the window, and we see that Jason is already there with Alfred. They discuss what's happened, and they and uh, Jason says, "Listen, we need to, we need to, we need to find out what's going on." Um, this is someone trying to get at, at Bruce and we need to, we need to possibly, we need to be doing this together. Um, he asks him to get in touch with Barbara so that he can, in fact, uh, they can all confront Bruce about this. Um, Red Robin's like, listen, why don't you do it? You were just in South America with her. And he says, listen, uh, I don't think that's necessarily a good idea. Um, then we cut to Midtown where Batman goes into Jason Bard's apartment. He sees a hologram of Hush. Hush explains, hey, I'm a hologram. Don't you know that? You can, you can scan, but you'll never figure out where I'm at. Um, later on in the issue, he explains that, uh, I, I'm not, I, um, uh, he, he, he wants to know exactly. Batman asks Hush why exactly he's doing this. And he says, listen, you have had your time on the altar, now it's my time, and uh, everything that you have is all going to fall down around you. Uh, we then see Barbara on the phone with her dad saying, "How could you? How? why are you not out of there yet? 
We gave Bard the information to get you released. Um, he says, listen, he was here, but he wasn't here to see me. I guess he's got enough going on where I'm not the main concern. Uh, she then sees on her phone that she has 14 missed calls from Jason Todd. Uh, she says she loves her to her dad when she gets another call. And she says she needs some space. And it turns out it's not Jason on the other end. It's Red Robin. And he says, we need to have a chat with the boss. Suit up. Uh, back at the building, at Jason Bard's apartment building, Batman says, I will find you, Tommy. I'll always find you. And he says, yeah, but that's the thing. I'm about to do something. I don't want you to die. I'm not intending for you to die. But if you break a couple bones, no big deal. Pushes a button, and an explosion goes off at the apartment building. Uh, we then see at the Batcave, a number uh, Julia Pennyworth trying to find out what the status of Batman is, but she's not having any luck. At City Hall, the mayor's like, oh my god, I can't believe what happened. My hero cop, Jason Bard, is now dead. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Jason Bard emerges and says, wait, I'm not dead. I'm right here. I barely got out alive. We need to do the martial law now. And the mayor says, okay, call the governor. It's happening. Uh, we then see Batman in the rub- rubble, and uh, as we find out, um, it actually turns out that Jason Todd, Red Robin, and Batgirl are all there to pull Batman out of the rubble. Next, the history of Hush. A lot more happened in this issue, in my opinion. There's a lot more characters that were involved in this issue. Um, it seems to be the case when it comes to the scripts that Tinian is specifically writing um, he tends to involve a lot of the different characters in the story. So just, a, I guess, there's not really a, a lot of immediate points that I want to talk about here. There's just a couple of different things. Um, we see the family getting back together. In my opinion, that's probably the biggest thing. But it, in my opinion, it almost comes across as like they all need to go talk to Batman. They all need to go work with Batman because something is happening and it's affecting the entire Bat family. They need to go chat with him. But... The way it's presented, especially in the hospital when Jason is trying to convince Tim that they need to go do this, it to me it almost comes across as, listen, we need to put all this stuff with the Joker and what happened with the Joker behind us, and we need to work towards the, you know helping Gotham City as a whole. And the way to do that is to be working with Batman and put aside the differences from the past. What seems odd about that is the fact that they've already been, that every single one of them has been sent out on missions from Batman himself to go take care of certain things involving the different events that are happening in Gotham. So, thoughts on, I guess, the reason I make such a big deal about this is because over on the blog on the DC Comics website, there was an article that DC posted up saying, this just happened, the Bat family's back together, and they showed the that final panel of the three of them pulling Batman out of the rubble. And it, to me, it just comes across as, did, weren't they already putting aside the differences? And yeah. weren't they already back together? Didn't in Batman see, and Robin. Exactly. Just see last month in Batman and Robin that the, they were all, you know, they put aside their differences. It just seems like... DC's like forcing the idea of wait, this is happening in Eternal, so it's happening. But even in the pages of Eternal, it feels like they've already put aside their stuff. We saw, I think it was like issue three, Batman calling all the members of the Bat family and saying, listen, there's a problem, we need to do this. And we've seen Batman interact with every single member of the Bat family since the beginning of Eternal, talking about the different things that they need to take care of. So do you feel like it was almost kind of forced upon us that, hey, if you haven't got it yet, they are going to be okay? 
I don't. I, I don't know. If, f- I, I agree with what you're saying. I don't. I wouldn't look at it as forced. I would just. It's, for me, it seems really apparent that probably the Batman group editor sent out a memo that said, "This is what we're doing. Make sure everybody, you know, gets gets the team gets gets the the family back together in your own respective books." And I think that everyone did it, and it just it's starting to seem repetitive because it is. I mean, I, I thought we were kind of naturally moving past this. Um, Maybe they just felt like they wanted that kind of uh, spotlight panel that they could they could show off and say, "Hey, here it is. It's official. They're all back together." Um, of course, the, the the biggest problem is that the Bat family is missing one of its most important members, and Dick Grayson, who is Batman, is intentionally lying to everyone else about. You know, um, so that eventually is going to come back and, and, and get him, I think. But yeah, I mean, I think that this is just suffering from you know trying to beat this through our heads so much that we we can't possibly miss it, and it's just coming across as uh, repetitive. And I think only only the the PR made it repetitive. I think only because of that news story do we see it as that. Because I didn't even see it as like, oh, wow, they're trying to do it in this book. Because after they did it in Batman and Robin, which I thought was so well done, you know, they had a discussion about it. He owned up that he made a mistake. There was forgiveness and, and you know, they were together again. I think that was, you know, the big point. I think this was just like, this is normal now. This is their, their beyond of what had happened in Death of the Family, and now they're going to be helping him out no matter the situation. So I, I felt like I didn't have any problem seeing this, but the way that, you know, advertising is make, that's what makes it seem like, wait, this already happened. Why are you making a big deal of it now? Yeah, and that probably is more the case. I was probably more upset about, or more, I guess, distraught about this idea that it just happened because of that news article, because it seems like they're completely ignoring what happened in Batman and Robin last month. Almost because, like I said, I said, I believe last month, Batman and Robin feels like it's on a different timeline than the events of every other book, including Batman Eternal. But that being said, the only other thing I wanted to talk about is it really just feels like now that, I mean, it's been a little, it's been a couple issues now, but now that it's been revealed that Jason Bard is in fact working with Hush, it just, like, they're really, it really feels like they're just trying to cement the fact that he is just straight evil. You know, the fact that he's pushing Vicky Vale to basically cause the, the, the city to be extremely upset by the idea that martial law is not a possibility because the government ref- or the, you know, the mayor refuses to let it happen. The fact that he's basically making it seem like he was in the, the building that exploded just so that the, to force the, the mayor into declaring martial law. They're just making him straight evil. And I'm wondering, is there any redemption for this character? You know, we talked about, could he be playing a double agent? Could it really be Jason Bard? You know, do, you know, is there something behind it? But it just feels like they're making him so evil. Is there any way to come back from it? Unless this is some, like, gigantic deke, and, and we find out that this was, that everything he was doing was part of a plan, which I is, is looking more and more unlikely. And quite frankly, at this point, it feels like the only reason we came to those conclusions is because, any notions of the Jason Bard character from older continuity that we were kind of hanging on to. Because if you look at, as it's presented here now, um, he's just a bad guy. Uh, he's the one who lures the penguin into killing all those people. And I mean, there's no doubt that if you just look at the, at the material we're presented here, except for the first few, few issues when we don't really have a good grasp on who the character is, 
that he's just a bad guy. Yeah, it, it does seem over the top now. Like now that the door is open, he's just he's showing his colors through and through. Um, I, I'm wondering, you know, is there any way to redeem this character now? And we had some conspiracy theories last time, right? Like, is this actually somebody else? Like, could it be Clayface or or somebody? Is he under my control? And um, it's. <laughs> It's difficult to say now just because it, it, there doesn't seem to be any um, ounce of, of good there, uh, any any struggle at all internally with him. Um, so it's sad to see Jason party evil. Uh, but, you know, I, I just wonder, is it going to keep going down from there? Is there any level to um, how bad he's going to get? Um, and, and to a certain extent, you don't want him to exceed the level of bad guy than, um, that is Hush. Because if Hush is our main person, then Jason Bard should have, he should always be below that. So I, I wonder if, you know, what's going to happen? Is he going to just grow out of his uh, second in command sort of pants and, and, overtake Hush. I just wonder if there's a point where he's going to move up the chain and kind of have enough with with just being an underling, if that's what he is. And I'm afraid, too, that what we're heading for here is kind of like the classic, um, I was doing it all for the right reasons, I wanted to make the city better, law and order, yada, yada, yada. Uh, In the end, excuse from him. I don't know why, but it feels like that's where we're headed. I hope there's no, I don't know. I, I think if, if that were true, we should have seen that in the beginning. And we've only seen it when he's been pretending to be a good guy that, you know, he's there for the city and he may have made some sort of mistake with, you know, all those bad guys that died, but his, he had his right intentions. But now it seems like he's just totally out there. And I feel like going down that path, it, it's such a well-trod path with Rachel Ghoul. And then in Batgirl, you had Nightfall with, you know, she had these grand plans. Uh, so I, I hope not. I, I hope that it's either, you know, good and he's been mind-controlled or it's just complete, you know, he just wants to take over. Or he could just be actually Clayface. Yeah. It's not actually Jason Bart. Uh, right. I'm just throwing that out there because we've seen Tommy Elliott's work with Clayface in the past. All right. That being said, I'm going to give Eternal 25 a total of three out of five bat rings. Um, three and a half out of five. And I'll agree with Ed and say three out of five. 3.5 out of five. All right. And over on the website, Corbin gave it three and a half. So that's going to give Batman Eternal number 25 a total of three and a half out of five bat rings. All right, so before we get into our Future's End books, let's uh, run through the reviews that Corbin has over on the website. He has reviews for Batman and Robin Future's End, number one, which got four and a half out of five. Batman Superman Future's End, number one, got four and a half out of five. And Catwoman Future's End, number one, got four out of five. So be sure to take a look at those um, after, of course, you listen to our Future's End recaps of, of these titles. Uh, there was a little bit more, I guess, in my opinion, more books that came out this week that we're going to be recapping. Uh, the first one that I just want to briefly mention is we planned on talking about Teen Titans after I read Teen Titans and Ed, who was going to recap it, uh, read Teen Titans. We decided that there's really nothing Batman related. Um, Hederick shows up in Teen Titans. 
he's the only member of the new Teen Titans that is not from Earth 2, and they just believe that he's a clone. They don't know anything other than that. So other than that character just appearing, we don't know anything about the character. We don't know if it's the original one, a new one, a different one, nothing. So that's Teen Titans. That's all that happened in relation to the Batman universe. But there are a bunch of other ones we're going to talk about. So the first one we're going to talk about is, let's start out with Harley Quinn, Future's End. Harley Quinn, Future's End, crappily ever after. Writers Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor, artist Chad Harden, and colorist Alex Sinclair. So Harley's planning on going to the the Bahamas on vacation, but she's saving money on a ticket by riding a freight plane in a... uh, in in a box and unfortunately there's a big storm and the plane crashes and she washes up on an island with some natives and of course volcano which will play a big part in the end and there's some entertainment for her benefit and then she's brought to their guard god king uh to be his princess queen goddess and the king is joker of course And there's there's some kissing and, of course, hitting because, you know, well, she thought he was dead. And if you look very closely, you can see some stitches on his face. So I guess he got it back somehow from uh, Joker's daughter. Joker explains what he's been doing on the island, which involves making the natives dress like Justice League members and playing games with them, murderous games. Then Joker probably get married and then say that they are both to be thrown into the volcano, apparently as sacrifices. They fight back and escape as the volcano erupts. Harley gets knocked out, and she wakes up on the beach not knowing if Joker makes it. And then Aquaman appears and offers a lift home, so we all wonder, should we ship Aquaman and Harley Quinn? I don't know. Is that hot or not? And uh, that's about it. <laughs> uh, besides <laughs> the weird... Um, beaver head that i didn't understand but uh maybe someone can because i don't read it is there a beaver head in the the beaver is she has a a, a, like a this beaver that she's obsessed with in the series oh okay but in my understanding it's a stuffed beaver not an actual beaver but somehow the the skeleton i guess is the only thing she's got left okay there you go that's it all right, so realistically, to me, there didn't seem like there was a lot that happened in this issue. Um, Besides Joker. Joker is being on this island. She just happens to crash land on this island. I honestly thought by the end of the issue, when she wakes up on the beach again, I honestly felt as if the entire thing had been a dream. Yes, I also wondered that as well. And Joker was not on the on the uh, you know not on that island. None of that mm-hmm. stuff actually happened. She just crash landed on this beach because the plane went down and the entire thing was a dream she woke up and aquaman was there saying i could take you back to coney island i'm in the same boat man i I totally thought when 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 because it it just if if you read the harley quinn title it's kind of out there anyway in a fun way right i'm not saying anything bad the bad it's just it's more of a zany title um and to me, this just felt like it was a, it was some, she was just having a delusion because in the, in the main title, she has delusions all the time, you know? So to me, I just felt like this whole thing was a delusion because the fact that Joker had been on an island and all that just seemed, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. It was a, it was a kind of a fun issue, but I don't think it, 
I don't think it actually happened. Yeah, quote, it's extremely far fetched. And it's yeah, it's hard because they make you question it because she had there are dream sequences intermixed inside of it. Yeah, and she she's knocked out twice right in the beginning, and then in the um, and you kind of wonder what that dog is doing there. Oh, I wonder if the dog is like a flashback to Lost. <gasps> oh my gosh! No, because- we're not going to get into this. The dog it was in a. <laughs> crate next to her on the I know plane. but it's just like in Wasp oh where the God. dog no, comes No no I don't want to re- I don't want to Okay talk about this. let's let's move on <laughs> Anyway and then she's knocked out at the end and then in the middle she has that whole dream sequence with her wedding dress and like it catches so it is yeah it's very interesting Yeah it, I mean you could take it a bunch of different ways which I'm sure. I like I like issues like that but if it if it's taken for straight what it is and the entire thing is not a dream and Joker's actually on this island. I find it very, very far-fetched. But I'll leave it at that. And I find it strange that Aquaman doesn't recognize Harley Quinn at all. I mean, you'd think that in, in all the Justice League... But who League, knows? Maybe Batman, she's dreaming that, too. No, it's true. Yeah, I mean... Maybe she's dead. Maybe she died in the plane crash, and everything we see is a dream. Yeah. Or it, yeah, this I, other I, alternate yeah. thing. All right, so let's move into our next one. Batman, Superman. All right, Batman, Superman, Future's End number one. Uh, this was wrote by Greg Pak, uh, and art was by Howard Potter. Um, okay, this one is sad. much, yeah, is much more. We we go from the kind of the zaniness of the Harley Quinn to this one. Uh, this one opens up, you know, the five years in the future timeline, and the whole world's kind of rebuilding after going to uh, to war with uh, what we're assuming is Earth two. Um, thousands have died, and we see where everyone on the planet kind kind of came together for a, a short time and then things just go back to normal. Um, Bruce has been extremely hurt and uh, he has like a, me- a mechanical spine issue uh, that actually came, we see in a, in a flashback in here from Superman attacking him in the Batcave. Um, and then he's given the news that Metallo is back and he goes and sees, sees the uh, toy maker who gives him like a new Bat super suit. Uh, he, he goes down to the Fortress of Sol- Solitude trying to find uh, Clark uh, and Steel's there and Steel basically tells him to get lost. Uh, and he goes and, and, and kind of defeats Metallo on his own um, and finally comes to the realization that Superman is not coming back and that the world will have to settle as him as as its hero. Um, I, I mean, this was a really, really sad, like Stella said. And I guess the biggest question is that I kind of wanted your guys' opinions on was what did he do to Superman? I mean, Superman tries to I don't know, kill him might be far-fetched, but he's pretty pretty enraged at the guy. And then Superman never comes back. So, And it sounds like from what Steele says that Bruce was – extremely responsible for this event. Is this another like classic Tower of Babel thing or, or something else? Mm. You know, it's hard to say because the problem is then at the very end of the issue when he's when uh, Batman's like, well, fine, Clark, if you're not going to appear, then I guess the world will just have to be okay with just me. And to, I, I don't know. This one kind of confused me a lot, mostly because I haven't really been paying attention to a lot of the stuff that's been happening in Batman Superman mostly because it feels like it's very scattered where it's not very you know it's not very consistent with the stories um but you know the problem is i don't know i mean i know in future's end in future's end or the new 52 future's end the weekly series i have been keeping up with at least the events of what's been happening in that and there superman is not superman in the future it's there's somebody wearing the Superman suit, but he has some helmet over his head. So it's not Clark Kent's Superman underneath the, the helmet. It's Shazam. So the fact that it's not Superman means that something has had to happen. I don't know if it specifically is what they're referring to in the pages of this 
you know, this story with Batman Superman or if it's something else, it really doesn't feel like any, we're going to get any answers as far as to what has actually happened. Out of probably all of the books across the entire month, this was probably the one I enjoyed the least um, just because it was so like it was so difficult to understand what exactly is going on because not only does it feel disconnected in a way from what's been published month to month in the pages of Batman Superman, but dealing with these two characters that somehow, you know, take place five years in the future, knowing that one of the characters doesn't actually exist five years in the future, who knows where they're at, you know, and just basically seeing an issue dealing with Batman saying, I know you're not dead, but where are you? You're not here? Okay, then they'll just have to deal with me. It's, it, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. See, I kind of did like it. Um, I thought it was interesting that you, you have this, once again, Batman being portrayed in, 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 a, in the, as almost not a villain role, but as a guy who's made a mistake. And the only thing I kept thinking of in a personal continuity sentence was just Tower of Babel. Um, you know, with, with that kind of betrayal level. Um, and that's kind of the feeling I had. And it actually made me very, and I haven't done it yet, but I'm, I think I'm going to go read the Superman Futures End stuff, which I never normally read the Superman stuff. But I am curious to see how they're dealing with his disappearance over there. Um, so, so I was just curious about it. But I kind of liked it. I mean, it was it was sad, like Stella said, but it was I think it was the most poignant of the ones for me. It wasn't my favorite, but I thought it was the, it was the most serious in tone. Uh, kind of telling us how bad things got in this five years that we're about to go. I don't know. It, just the sense of betrayal all around was super, it was, uh, I don't know. It was very emotional, I think, because a lot of the, the futures and stuff that we've been reading, we see these really dire futures and this bad stuff that's been going on. Harley's been, <laughs> that was probably the wackiest, I think, but there's been some uplifting moments, I think, at the end, you know, especially Birds of Prey, you see it, and Batgirl, I, I think you saw it a lot, and this one was just like, my goodness, it was really Bruce as an island all by himself, and even him reaching out, like, he's able to reach out to Toy Man, but reaching out to other people to have those bonds broken and to even, in his desperation, like, call out for Clark and he didn't come, you kind of wait because... I was like, oh, is he going to fly in? But he didn't. And it was just super sad. But I actually thought that it was, I, I enjoyed it. But I, I think that it was a completely different emotional level than the other ones that we had read. All right. So then let's get into the next one. Batwoman. Batwoman, Future's End, Blood Sisters. Writer Mark Andreco, artist Jason Masters, and colorist Guy Major. So Kate's sister, Beth or Alice, depending on what you want to uh, call her, is fighting crime now. And Kate is a vampire. Kate goes after Maggie, but Alice saves Maggie. Kate kills Jason Blood and seemingly destroys a Clayface. No telling whether it's the Clayface. It's then revealed that Alice must be at least in contact with Batman and knows that he is Bruce Wayne. And at one time, uh, Kate and Alice were on a team with a Clayface, Etrigan, and someone I believe to be Spectre. Was that no, Spectre? It's, it's Ragman. Oh, was it? Okay, thank you. And at one time, Kate and Alice were on a team with a Clayface, Etrican the Demon, and Ragman. He kind of has the same green cloak as Spectre, though. Alice captures Kate and tries to talk sense into her, explaining that she has also worked to make up for her past, because as we've seen in that 
very wonderful introduction into to Batwoman uh, with her sister. She was evil and thought she was Alice from, well, Alice in Wonderland. Kate seemingly gives in and then lunches for Alice and Alice kills her with a stake through the heart and watches her turn to ash. Sort of reminded me of Blade. It was sad. So th- this one, again, uh, I th- I can't remember. I can't remember if we talked about this before the recording or if it was during the news. But with Batgirl, Batwoman being a vampire in the future, um, I want to say this has been hinted at either in the upcoming issues, mostly because in the current pages of Batwoman we have Nocturna. Who is basically? Who she, well, I mean, she's a vampire, and sh- she's having a conflict with Batwoman in the pages, and it's and basically this either based on the solicitations or the cover art for the upcoming issues. It feels as if Batwoman is going to end up becoming a vampire. I don't know how that falls into how Batman's going to allow her to stay on the streets because even in the pages of I believe it was the Future's End Batman story, we see him going or he, we see the the allies on the computer screens in front of him and and Batwoman as the vampire is on the computer screen so I have a hard time understanding that if this group of characters that she's with Ragman, Clayface, uh Etrigan and her sister if they're working against her Ragman has and Etrigan have always tend to be on the side of good Clayface uh, I mean it could be a different Clayface for all we know because this is five years in the future, it might not be Basil Carlo, the one we've seen. Um, her sister has also been on the side of bad, but she mentions even in this issue that she's trying to change. So the, the the thing I guess I'm wondering is, is she just straight bad in the future and this group of people are trying to take her down? Or is it that the vampire... I, I, I mean... I'm not going to claim that I'm a vampire expert in any means. I know as much as probably the next person who's seen some movies with vampires in it. But Kevin Cushman would be the person to ask Kevin Cushman. Okay. But I'm not understanding this as if, like, if you become a vampire, if it slowly becomes harder and harder to, like, I guess, you know, keep your thirst for blood back or something like that where mm-hmm. maybe gradually she becomes she becomes worse and worse and worse and can't control it and that's why she has to be taken out and that's why she gets killed at the end of the issue or if it's just because she becomes the vampire and she's bad because if that's the case I don't know why Batman would let her on the streets yeah I don't think I don't know I, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert but I you know I've seen lots of different versions of vampires of course and it doesn't necessarily like change who you are deep inside yes you have a lust for blood but I feel like if you're inherently or for the most part a good person then you shouldn't like turn into this evil person that can't control him or herself and I even think about sorry uh X-Men because Jubilee became a vampire and she she has to deal with that. Like, what does it mean to be a vampire? And um, now she's got this kid and be on the X-Men, but she's still, like, fighting and she's being a vampire and she's on the X-Men. So, it, you know, it's wholly possible. So I don't understand why we'd take a great character like Kate. If you want to bank her into vampire, it's a little weird. I don't really like it, but fine. But why do we have to make her into this bad guy that would attack her? lover and her sister whom she was like so torn up about when she thought she was dead so that's kind of a bummer i would assume 
just from and the problem is is that every vampire store in the world has its own twist on what the powers, abilities, slash culture of vampires are, right? I mean, every movie's a little different. Every set of books is a little different. Every comic series. I mean, even the rules that were in I, Vampire don't seem to apply to the rest of the vampires in, you know, the DC universe. Um, that being said, I would assume that we see her with the team, and I really like that picture because I thought the Etrigan with the bat symbol on was, was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think I've seen before. I thought that was kind of a neat thing. My, my assumption is she is she gets turned into a vampire and is okay and gradually ends up becoming this evil version that we see at the end um which the other thing that this makes me think is is this how she really dies because are these books what is going to happen in five years or what could happen you know because if if this is what is going to happen we just saw the death of 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 kate which is important which is an important event in in batman continuity in history if this if these are going to happen then this is how kate is going to die which Sucks. Let's get into our next one, Batman and Robin. Uh, Batman and Robin, Futures End number one. This was wrote by Ray Fox and art by Dustin Wynn. Um, this story opens up when we see a Robin in the future who is uh, Duke. His name is Duke Thomas fighting some some kind of generic thugs. Uh, we then cut over to see Batman who, who is fighting um, – looks to be fighting the heretic uh, who we all know is the murderer of, of, of Damian Wayne. Um Batman tells Alfred to keep Robin away, and, and Alfred tries a long list of excuses to keep him out of the fight, but he eventually shows up anyway, and Batman and Robin take the heretic down. You know, and then, and then Duke, who's the new Robin, and Bruce talk about the fact that Duke is not Damien, and uh, they kind of shake hands, and they're off to fight crime. Uh, we don't get the answer in this, which is asked throughout, which is the testing of the DNA to see if this is, you know, the one that killed um kill Damien or not, uh, this particular clone. Um, and I guess the, the, the real topic of conversation here is, uh, is this Robin? I mean, is this the guy that's going to be revealed in December? Mm. Is, is, is this the future Robin? Because we see him in another Future's End um, in a background panel. I don't remember which one now, but we see him in another one, the same guy in the same getup. So is this guy the new Robin? I'm going to say no, um, and, and specifically because of who the character is. Uh, Duke Thomas is if you you blink and you miss it in Batman Zero Year, there was the it was the character who I believe it was like either the first panel or the first page. There's a boy. Batman approaches the city's already you know overgrown, and it basically is in dire conditions because they're showing that panel that Snyder does when he shows like here's what's going to happen in like five issues from now, but it's only one page. There's a there's a boy and that's the kid. His name is Duke Thomas. Do I believe that that kid? I guess if you think about, it, I guess this is like six years after zero year or five years after zero year, depending on who you ask. Do I believe that that kid could become Robin this year? No. Um, do I believe that he could be a Robin in the future? Obviously, outside of the fact that he appears in this issue and the other issue that he makes a cameo in. I think it is entirely possible that he does, he could become, you know, a future Robin down the line because, you know, who's to say that Damien was the last Robin or this Robin that's going to be revealed in December is the last Robin. We, you know, they're going to grow up and eventually they're just going to be, uh, there's, you know, Batman, as Tim Drake puts it so, so pointly, he, you know, he, Batman needs a Robin. So, you know, who's to say Batman just doesn't keep having this long string of Robins that we just have never been introduced to. I'm sure that once Tim Drake 
you know, is no longer and Damien's dead now, I'm sure he just doesn't go on without ever having Robin. It just, I'm sure that's not the case. So I don't think it's going to be Duke Thomas who gets revealed. I did see an interview with Ray Fox that said, uh, I think it was with Newsroom or Comic Book Resources, they asked him, you know, you reveal that this character is Duke Thomas. Did you have any, did you talk to Peter Tomasi at all to determine what's going to happen in December with the reveal of the new Robin? Did that have any effect on your story? And he said, I did talk to him, but I already had the story planned. I'm not going to spoil anything or unspoil anything. So he was basically very tight-lipped about what's going to happen with the future of Robin. It will be curious to see, and this is kind of off topic, but it will be curious to see if the new Robin that appears in December pops right into Eternal right away or if it's going to be some sort of delayed timeline. I think that it is very possible that, and, and I've been one of those people that has said that I just don't know, and I, I don't. I think it's wishful thinking to say that it's going to be Damien coming back. Um, and and sure, I would love to see him, but I, I just don't want to get my hopes up. So it'd be interesting to see this guy, and uh, yeah, what's his story? I mean, I don't think they're going to throw out this random character for nothing. I think there's got to be a point to it. Because everyone else... Well, there could be. It just depends on what their actual plans are. Because realistically, we know that one publishing year does not equal necessarily one year in continuity. Mm -hmm. I mean, some say it does, but I don't believe it does. At least some say it does with the New 52. That being said, is it entirely possible that five years from now we could get to these situations or we could learn in three years from now... You know, the story of Duke Thomas and how he becomes Robin. I mean, it's, I guess it's entirely possible, but I don't feel like they're actually going to go in that direction. I think that, you know, this is just like a, something's going to happen at the end of Future's End where it's going to be like, hey, time shift. Ah. And then all of a sudden you find out that the future was a possibility of what could happen, but something happens when Terry McGinnis goes back into the future and it all changes or something. Mm-hmm. I... Also, don't believe that Damian Wayne's gonna be back as Robin. I mean, if you take this story and just the the hints we have in some of these future end, there's a there is several references across the future's end books of Damian Wayne dying, and there's never a reference of Damian Wayne coming back from the dead. You know, like obviously Bruce is still dealing with some pretty severe anger issues in this issue with Heretic concerning the death of Damian. And the fact that we don't even get a name check of, like, well, you know, I was really upset, but he came back from the dead. You know, I mean, um, so I don't think Damien's coming back. And I, I think that it's as likely to be this guy as it is to be anybody else, to be honest with you. I mean, if you take the Damien Wayne coming back from the dead element out of it, and I don't think it's going to be Harper Row because she's going to be Bluebird, Bluebell, Ice Cream, whatever she's called. Um, Bluebell was the Batgirl <laughs> character uh, in he's Gothtopia. Uh, they're just a crazy name. Yeah. Um, but then I think that this guy's as likely as anybody else because I don't know who else it would be. You know? I mean, yeah. So, I mean, it's possible. And, and, I, and, if, so, and I wouldn't mind it because he seems an interesting enough character. And I think he's, you know, if he has that zero-year tie-in, so he would be like, what, 10 or 11 in zero-year? Zero-year happened five years ago, so he'd be... 16, 15, 16, that's about the right age to start training. So I could see that. I could live with it. I will say this. I, I don't necessarily think that Damien's coming back from the dead either. I think it will be somebody else. But I will say this. In relation to these future end stories, we haven't had any mention of him coming back or him 
returning f- with Bruce in the pages of Batman and Robin, but I don't know that we would necessarily see that because I don't know that they would want to reveal that, you know, yeah. in the pages of one of these books. I think they're holding it pretty close to the chest. Yeah, and I, so I mean, like, that's not to say that it will be Damien. I'm just saying, like, you know, them not saying it is Damien or not making a mention that Damien came back doesn't necessarily completely eliminate the idea of it's not Damien. That being said, you know, Batman saying, you know, uh, you know, basically the story here, Batman's fighting Herrick, which killed Damien, but who's to say that Damien didn't come back and then got killed by another Herrick? We've seen that there's multiple heretics throughout the universe. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, we know that, I mean, based off of just what we've seen in this issue and we've seen in the issue of Teen Titans, there's at least two heretics out there. Knowing that means at some point, Ra's al Ghul starts his little cloning process again with bringing other Damians back, you know, bringing Damians to life. So the fact that there are more heretics means that it's entirely possible that maybe there's another Damian out there. We don't know. So. But doesn't that go back to the basic question, honestly, which is if it's not Damian, who else is it going to be? I mean, because, I mean, if, if it's not, and which actually makes me think that it might be this duke thomas guy because at least now if if think about this if we get to the end of uh robin rises alpha omega in december right and this duke and, and batman comes back from uh you know apocalypse and he meets this duke thomas kid again we're all gonna be and, and, and the final scene is hi i'm duke and i'm batman then we're gonna be like oh there he is i mean doesn't that make sense in a way like i'm not saying it's not entirely possible i think it would be kind of uh it would really completely ruin the, the the climax that they're going for with this story if they basically just revealed who the Robin is in this Future's End story. I think that would be a really bad ending to the Robin Rises arc where it's like, hey, guess what? Uh, we spent all this time dealing with the death of Damien, dealing with the repercussions of the grief from Damien, you know, uh, Batman searching for Damien's body, Batman going to Apocalypse to get Damien back and to bring him back to life. And guess what? On the last page or the last couple pages, we're just going to say, hey, we're going to use this kid who appeared in a Scott Snyder story uh, over a year ago. To me, it feels like it would be a very anticlimactic ending. Um, now, if they did do it, I mean, there's nothing like we're going to be able to do about it. There's nothing we can do. It's not like we can sit there and call Peter Tomasi and say, what were you thinking? Not good enough. Why did you let Ray Fox reveal who the Robin was going to be in September if you were going to reveal it in December? But that being said, you know, there's not a whole lot of options. I mean, this does present another option of a possibility. But there's not a whole lot of people out there that could become Robin. We know it's not going to be Harper Row. Um, there's, I mean, there's not really that many choices left unless they use somebody who's just the character right now. For example, they use Tim Drake, and Tim Drake becomes the new Robin, and Batman wants him to change his name to Robin. I, I don't know. It's it's very difficult to know. So I'll just leave it at that. Let's move into the next one. Catwoman. Hey, Catwoman, future's end, the death of Selena Kyle, and she really does die. Writer, Shally Fish, pencils, Pat Olaf, inkers, Tom Nguyen, and Walden Wong, and color, Sonia Oback. Selena, now sporting Falcone, like Scars, is the head of all underground mob activity in Gotham, sitting at the head of the table surrounded by Georgie Maroney, Tusk, Matt Falcone, heir to the Falcone crime family and Selena's lover, 
as it would be. Penguin and Erin McKillen, who that was fun to see, actually. She showed the key players how they could do better, funneled profits into legitimate business that the law couldn't touch, and set the ground rules that keep the bats chasing Arkham freaks instead of them. So they steal from those who can afford it and kill only those who deserve it. She's made it very profitable and only has to worry about a possible gang war erupting. Uh, there's some drama in the beginning, and then there's drama in the middle when uh, Matt Falcone betrays Selena and kills her in a car explosion because he plans to take control of the criminal empire. But unfortunately for him, all of the money gathered over the years from everyone funneled into one account has suddenly been drained. And, of course, he's killed because the other people are upset. And uh, a gang war is, of course, on the horizon, which everyone was super excited about anyways. So six months later in the French Riviera, a blonde person who may or may not be Selena, it is, is approached by Edward Nigba, who explains that he has figured everything out. And it was basically all a long con, which I thought was just amazing and such a Selene thing to do. Uh, so she could get all the money from all the heads of crime organizations. And, of course, the scars were fake because that way people would, well, they wouldn't underestimate her. Um, and why she did it? Well, it was because Catwoman died when she realized she couldn't rely on anyone but herself. And I wonder if those images were eternal, if they'll pop up in eternal. But she threatens Eddie, uh, but knows in the end that he won't tell anyone because, hey, a riddle isn't fun if anyone, know- if everyone knows the answer. All right. So I-, I actually got a couple different things on this. The-, the one thing that I found interesting was all the characters that they decided to be part of the Gotham gangs of sorts. Um, the fact that... Uh, they, they tied a lot of different characters in, which I really liked. Uh, Aaron McKillen from Batman and Robin. Uh, Tusk, which also appeared in Batman and Robin. Uh, I believe it was, it was the annual that he appeared in. Um, Batman and Robin annual number one. It was the character that Dick Grayson originally took down as Robin and then, then, uh, Damien went and decided to take him down again, you know, as like an homage to Dick Grayson. Um, so it was interesting to see those two characters. Um, the entire story of it basically being one giant con, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. And I think it was interesting how it was Edward Nigma who basically showed up at the end to explain it all to, and say, this is how it all happened. I thought this was actually really, really good. Um, I honestly didn't really have any major complaints. I thought it was kind of interesting to see how the, the crime families can evolve within the next five years. Because obviously that's going to be something that's going to be pretty, pretty important to the, in the pages of Catwoman starting immediately this month in October. So, um, I I thought the story was laid out perfectly as far as you know it was this giant con. Mm-hmm. I thought it was awesome how I you know that's all I'm going to say. I can't really say much more because it was just I thought this was really good. Yep. And I thought it makes a lot of sense too. It it it, it it's more in character that Selena would decide to rip off all the mafia then she mm-hmm. wanted to be a crime boss you know um i think this makes sense i think this makes sense seeing especially what we just saw in eternal what was it three or four weeks ago when we saw her with her father when she seemingly has no desire to run the mafia um so this makes sense and it i like it yeah it was good yeah, I I agree. Just so well thought out. I think this it was awesome how it connected to Eternal, and I felt like some of those panels when she, where she was flashing back 
with Batman and everything, I think really tied to Eternal, and and I'm waiting to see if if those events. I mean, just her bloodied and beaten in the street. I'm wondering if that's going to pop up, and just that's her. I mean, thinking this long con out and and having all those uh, those crime family members all around the table was just amazing. Having those scars and just being able to stomach. Um, being with a Falcone right next to you. I mean, that is amazing. And I actually like seeing Aaron McKillen again. So I'm hopeful that like she pops up and that there is a use for her since focus so much on her when we were doing Batman and Two-Face. So I, I yeah, I just thought that this was uh, a great issue. And I, when I was going into it, I was like, I don't know what this is going to be like, but I think it was one of the best. Yeah. And this was actually the issue that uh, Duke Thomas made the cameo in. This was the other one. All right, so then let's move into our last one, Red Hood and the Outlaws. Oh, Red Hood and the Outlaws, future end number one, written by Scott Liddell, art by Scott Collins. Um, This story opens up in the future with uh, Red Hood wanted by the police and on the run, so no change there. Uh, We found out that Starfire has taken her throne finally and that Roy has joined the Justice League and taken Ollie's place, who does die in future's end continuity. Um... We see the last confrontation between Roy and Jason where Roy tries to kill Jason, but but Jason does escape. Uh, And then we see a bad guy named Morgan who wakes up with a red hood on his head and the red uh, Jason Todd red hood bat symbol painted on the wall. Uh, He knows that if he has like 48 hours to turn himself in and confess his crimes or the red hood will show up and kill him. Uh, He does not turn himself in. He hires an army to guard his house. Uh, Jason shows up with some uh, future tech. Um kills the army essentially gives, gives the army a chance to leave by the way they stay uh he kills them and then kills the bad guy who didn't turn himself in and then we see another man wake up uh in russia with a red hood on his head the next guy marked for execution by jason um i guess it's the, the simplest thing is this is the future jason todd what do you guys think of this of where jason ends up five years in the future honestly it feels like they should skip ahead and just move it to this now um now I'm not saying that I want Jason Todd to be, you know, killing people execution style. I don't know how well Batman would be, you know, he'd be looking the other way upon this, but that being said, I liked there's certain Red Hood and the Outlaw stories that I've really enjoyed. Most of them are the ones that focus on Jason Todd specifically. I don't really enjoy the stories that focus on Starfire and for the most part a lot of the stories focusing on Roy haven't been that interesting either. So now, that's not to say that every Jason Todd story in Red Hood and the Outlaws has been good, but I like, I really like this because I was actually kind of wary going into this thinking, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is going to be that great. I haven't really liked Red Hood and the Outlaws that much. You know, I wish that they would focus more on Jason and Jason as a character and less on the three of these characters just interacting with each other and the, the arguments and relationships that they constantly have with each other. Because it has to be this team book. I thought this was awesome. Um, they did a great job of not only showing where Jason is in the future, but mentioning where the other characters were. Roy makes essentially a, a little bit more than a, a, I guess it would be a guest star, uh, in the, in the issue because he's not, it's not, it's a more than a cameo, but, um. And he had both arms, which I was surprised about. I wondered if they'd get rid of one of his, one of his arms like they did in pre-New 52. So, for the most part, I mean, I really enjoyed this. You know, you look at Jason Todd and you have to look at him as he's basically the punisher of the DC universe in a way. Um, he's that was a Marvel reference. 
Yes, it was. It was a Marvel <laughs> reference brought to you by Dustin. Me. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. But he's basically yeah. But he's basically like the Punisher. I mean, I I don't know if you guys would agree or not, but he basically is this character who's he's a vigilante, but he has no problem killing people. Which, in some ways, makes me understand that he's going to have even a harder time working with Bruce in the future than he does now, because at least we don't see that happening. He's not just straight execute, executing people in the in the present time. You know, he'll take people out and stuff, but he's not straight up killing them. So, I guess, I guess, I I like the story. I enjoyed what will happen with Jason Todd in the future. But I guess it really just comes down to he's in the future. He's probably going to be even more removed from the Bat family if, as he is now. Yeah, but I'm glad he has a purpose because I think sometimes he's just made out to joke. And I think that happened a lot. I, I, I don't know in the Outlaws anymore, but I just remember in the beginning, like, he he has so much potential. And I just feel like depending on who is writing him and with whom he's teaming up, it's just he's not a capable character, which is a bummer because I think he's an awesome character. I actually really liked him. I think he was one of the reasons why I kept reading, um, oh, goodness, that one series that only five people read. It was after 52. Countdown. Yes, Countdown. It's it's been so long I should reread it all. Um, yeah, he was one of the reasons why I kept reading that. And, and I think he's shown a lot of potential in eternal. I mean, being the person to tell Babs that she's gone too far and, you know, you need to think about what you're doing. So I like how in the future he does, it it seems like he's very capable, even though he is far removed from everyone and he's doing these things that, of course, Batman wouldn't think too highly of and maybe even fighting his friends. Uh, I do kind of like his, his lawless slash lawful character depending on yeah if he's the punisher of it he's kind of both sides so yeah i also liked it and and it exceeded my expectations and it makes sense a lot too really like i mean look at this future world superman's gone batman's having to fight metallo you know i mean the world's that we've been through a war the world's really gone to hell and i think that you know this kind of Jason is in his own way, I think, following his idea of what the code of the bat is to him, which is he's giving the bad guys a chance to turn themselves in. You know, he's not just shooting. He's saying, hey, if you turn yourself in, I won't kill you. But if you don't, then I'm going to kill you. So, again, I don't think that Batman would have a ringing endorsement. Um, but if Jason kind of has this role in the future, he would have a def- – he would no longer be like the other Robin. He would have a definitive – place in in the batman universe is that as dustin put it punisher type character so yeah i thought it was very very cool and that is all of the future's end so overall future's end for this month i would say probably five times better than villains month last year i mean way way better as far as story quality there was actually a bunch of issues that we really enjoyed Mm -hmm. um but for the most part you know if they continue to you know put together quality stories for these events that they're doing in september i'm all for it i mean when you look back at villains month last year zero month the year before that and then the launch of the new 52 before that really the only one out of all of them that was was in my opinion decent was the launch the initial launch of the new 52 because it was basically setting up everything Zero Month, I really did not enjoy because it was basically like hacking away all of these origins from the characters that we had already known and 
giving them these new origins. And obviously, some of them saw the error of their ways because they've, you know, negated some of the stuff that we've seen in those, specifically with Catwoman. But then we have last year with Villains Month, how we had some villains acting completely out of character. Other characters, like Harley Quinn, for example. Terrible Harley Quinn issue. Just awful. Yeah, just basically terrorist acting, you know, killing a gazillion children all across Gotham. I mean, that was horrible. A lot of characters were out of, a lot of villains were out of character for some of those stories. And other ones, you know, honestly, there was only a very few that I actually remember liking. But it was more because they were tied into stories that were currently happening. Um, but I would say they did a much, much more superior job above what they did last year with the Future's End books. And I'm hoping that whatever they're planning already for next year is something that is, you know can top what they did this year. You know, whether it be ten years in the future, which I hope they don't do. But uh, whatever they decide they want to do, I just hope that it is going to be somewhat tied into what's happening. You're, you know, it's a continuation of the, the the stories you're reading because that's the stuff that makes it more enjoyable. Yeah, and this is, I think, if you're reading Futures and the Weekly, um, these stories just kind of flushed out that that universe of a weekly story you're reading. You know, um, so I, I thought this was really cool. And like you said, if if they can keep doing content as good as this, then do something weird every September. I'm totally cool with it. Even if we have to pay the extra dollar for the lenticular colors. colors. Oh, gosh. I, you know, just like I just want them to serve a purpose. And, yeah, these were good, but I'm afraid that, you know, if they try again, it may not be as good and it's going to be another villain's month. So I would almost like them to hold off on this sort of thing for a while, but they probably don't don't listen to me. Oh, I'm sure they won't. I don't think that, dude. I think they're committed to this. I mean, all kidding aside, I think every September, yeah. because the Something's sales numbers. Happen. Well, look at the sales numbers. Every yeah. year when they do it, it's, they spike, and if they the one month, they can guarantee that they'll sell more. Mm-hmm. They're just going to keep, and especially and like you said, the extra buck, they're selling more at a higher margin. All right. So with that, that is everything we have for this episode. I do want to just do a couple of small announcements. Number one, if you, as I said earlier, if you're interested in helping out with some of these upcoming books that are coming out, specifically Gotham Academy, Batgirl, Catwoman, um, Arkham Manor, Gotham by Midnight in November, if you're specifically interested in jumping on some of these newer titles that are launching in October and November and you are interested in reviewing those, just shoot us an email, tbu at net, and we'll get in touch with you and try to work something out. In addition to that, if you have interest in working in any of the other specific areas of the website, including movie news, TV news, video game news, or merchandise news, or just general random Batman stuff that pops up online, you know, I happen to see this morning on uh, Twitter, Hong Kong is introducing at McDonald's uh, a Batman burger. You know, that, that is, it, it's random information, but hey, if that's the kind of stuff you like, that's the kind of stuff we want you to report on, on the website. So just shoot us an email, tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net, or if you are interested in, in, uh, any of the other things we have mentioned under that, we want you for tbu banner, if you click on that, it'll tell you exactly what we're interested in outside of news reporters and comic book reviewers. It'll tell you the other people we're looking for as well, including, Website developers and graphic designers and things like that. Uh, so 
In addition to that, be sure to check out all of the other podcasts we have to offer, including new episodes of the Batman Universe podcast, which post every single week on Monday morning for you to recap everything that happened the previous week in the Batman Universe. Also, uh, there's a new addition to the website. There's a thing on the website that it's uh, basically a trivia. Um, if it's, it's part of uh, what's a new website called Instacator, where they basically have trivia questions linked to a number of different things. Uh, there's, we're, we're making, we're trying to make sure there's at least one new trivia question per day during the week for you to answer. Um, if you click on the, 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 if you happen to see the question on there and you have, and it's the same one, just click the previous or next and you'll see the other questions that are up there. But we're trying to make sure there's a new trivia question for you guys to answer every single day. So check that out. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts we have to offer on the website, including one of the newest podcasts we have, uh, the Gotham Chronicle, recapping every episode of the Gotham TV series. So be sure to check that out as well. You can always leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. And, of course, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, as well as join our Facebook group to chat with other Bat fans about everything related to the Batman universe. That is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed. And this is Stella. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks.